The following ideas the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind on funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. This is the greatest episode of any podcast that anyone has ever made ever in the history of mankind or in the last 10 years when people start making podcasts. I am so fired up. I've got a ton of things. I know we did some pre-dialogue, didn't go over any of them with you. But I just want to, I want to know from you, are you ready to be the first man to walk on the moon? Yeah. Yeah. The first man to walk on the moon. So mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and question the moon landing right now, officially. <laughs> <on this pod. laughs> That's exactly what this is. It's a conspiracy theorist podcast. Great. Great. Spot on. Yeah. Um, no, the markets, we're going to start with this. Are you seeing the activity in the VIX over the last week, month? No. I mean, over the last month, it was just going down, 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 down. I haven't looked at it in the last week, but uh, at some point, it's got to stop going down. It's like the most calm market in the entire world in terms of fear. Yeah, ish. So Did April 14th. Did we get a big spike? Oh, we got a big spike like a, a week and a half ago spike. or a week ago. We got a big um, spike. Nice. Uh huh. But April 14th, VIX ended at 17.07. Today it's at 16.86. There have been some spikes up and then some drop downs. But obviously, and I'm not giving investment advice here, there is clearly a super logical way to like see where the VIX hits at a, at a low point. If it goes below 16, you're going to know it's going to hit 17 something in the next few days um once again non-investment advice i'm totally wrong don't listen to that it just happens right and so on may what is this fourth it hits 20.09 okay april 28th six days before ish it was at 15.78 that's when the markets were really humming yeah and then yeah. some shaky types of earnings from Amazon, some really good ones from Google, Microsoft. But for the most part, inflation data, economic data, nothing is coming in well. And I believe the Fed will continue to keep pushing 0.25, 25 bips every single rate hike every month until they say we are considering a pause. They have yet to say that that they're considering a pause. They're saying like the pause can't happen, but they're not considering it. Anyway, what that just kind of leads to is just look at this VIX chart. It's pretty much as chaotic as you can expect, but it has dropped dramatically since April 12th. April 12th, it was at 19.09. And then it dropped dramatically, it had some spikes, April 25th was a big spike. May 4th was a big spike. But it has fallen pretty low. So for you, I know we're going to walk on the moon here. Looking at this chart or just understanding what VIX is, for some of our listeners that may not know, it's just measure of volatility in the markets. So the higher the VIX, the 
more fearful of the markets people might be or future prices, the lower it is, the better people feel about future volatility inside the market. So they consider stock market to go up and up and up. But it's weird that since April 12th, it's been an average of like 16 and a half. When since COVID, it really hasn't hit those numbers before. And yet we're in one of these weird, is the economy going to flip on its head moments? And I kind of want to describe and set the stage with that and then hear your thoughts. And then I want to spit my stupid ideas at you. Go. What are you, what are you thinking with this weird calm that the VIX is showing? Uh, I have no idea. I know that it's been showing the weird calm and I know it's been showing low numbers and it makes no sense. Um, but I really don't know. Uh, it's a clear sign that the winds could be changing and there could be like bullish undertones to the market. And that, that could be a positive, but it also could be um, overconfidence that the Fed is going to stop hiking rates. And when they don't, I mean, it's kind of overconfidence in a soft landing is really what it is. I think. I don't know. I really don't know. You ready? It's tough for me. Yeah, what you got? No, that's fair. I am ready to admit that you've officially converted me to the land of pessimism. (laughs) I see it as the eye of the storm. Yeah. We are in a spot where the Fed will stop hiking. Or, yeah, they'll pause rate hikes in the next six months. I honestly could not tell you when. Could be in two months. It could be in six. It's definitely not next month. But the markets will respond extremely well, and then they'll pull back because they'll realize it's a lot of hot air without true momentum behind it. So they've had great earnings for the last quarter, quarter, two quarters. But economy-wise, GDP has shrunk, which does indicate somewhat of a recession, which is what the Fed is aiming towards, a soft landing. But I am willing to look at the future charts and say, VIX is down a ton. It's going to pop back up, and then it's going to keep climbing. And it's going to be a ton of other factors bank collapses other things like that are going to just cascade into commercial real estate deals blowing up tightening of other funds everything else and that is going to lead to continual layoffs and really squeeze down economy pressures that lines up with the recession yep which is the whole thing the Fed was trying to avoid and then that's going to cause six to eight months of just getting punched in the face or hit in the face with a two by four. Yep. I'm I'm walking on the moon here and I hate it because you brought me here and it freaking sucks and this is just driving me bananas because I do not sometimes in investing sometimes in investing number one thing you got to do is just face the reality. Face the reality of your situation. That's all it is. Yeah. The reality is, I don't think the Fed was ever genuine about, I mean, obviously they wanted to avoid a recession. They were never genuine about actually having some sort of policy to, to make a soft landing. Yeah. They had 
one objective and one objective only and everything else be damned and it's good well, that objection is like to provide or you know avoid the worst worst outcome which is stupid 30 percent inflation yep. or something and they're gonna do that they're gonna avoid that which Powell's incredible is too. smart because in that way, like in a way pal's really a stand-up guy because and I've I've heard this mentioned. This was in Buffett's. Uh, Buffett talked about this in his. Do you annual like meeting. Stalin too? No. Listen to this. Listen to this. Buffett okay. talked about this in his annual meeting. Volcker was the last person to raise rates like crazy. You know, like all the way up into like eighteen percent. Was it eighty-two? Uh, it was in the eighties um, when inflation was crazy. Yeah. And the crazy thing was, was like it was super unpopular. But if he didn't do it, who knows where that runaway inflation would have gone. Like at some point you got to do the politically and culturally and, you know, economically unpopular thing to save people from themselves. And so you almost got to applaud the guy of like, it's kind of like Batman, honestly. (laughs) You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And like, that's, that's what's happened here. Um, And he'll go down. I'm going to start putting him in. Oh, I'm going to meme the heck out of that. That's Dude, so funny. Batman memes. Yeah, that's the Batman meme. But that's it, dude. Is like, he'll be the villain, but the world will never know. Like, like he saved us from something that we didn't have to go through and is in the process of saving, something, saving us from something that we didn't have to go through, uh, no matter how unpopular he is. It's like, yo. That's so funny. That's a great analogy because, yeah, right now he's the surgeon who's ripping our heart out but it's necessary because we need a heart transplant but it freaking sucks currently and it sucks too that like he obviously doesn't control fiscal policy and i think what a lot of people miss is the fiscal policy side of things but like the government just is like still spend like crazy like they they are so gung-ho on spending and now we have this whole debt situation going on which Everybody freaks out about, but it always gets raised. So I'm not totally confident that it matters. But you know, like yeah. like fiscal spending has to tighten as well. And if fiscal spending tightened their belts for a year, inflation would have been taken care of already, and interest rates could be going down. But since fiscal continues to spend, now we have the fiscal versus the monetary fighting, and the monetary just got to keep raising and keep rolling until inflation gives. Yeah, sad. It's funny. It's funny. That's such a great analogy. He is Batman. Yep. If he's Batman, who's the Joker? Pelosi. Uh, I, I mean, I was trying to look for like, I like I, my first thing was like Biden, but it's not real. I mean, it's it's not a politician. It's the con- it's the conglomerate of politicians. It's the federal. It's the it's the <sighs> Congress. It's Congress. Congress is the Joker. And Congress continues to do things that are insane that yep. make Batman do right. Joker's whole purpose is to make Batman do bad things that go against his morals to look like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And that is what Congress is doing to Jerome Powell. Yep. They are like, hey, away. let's let's keep printing trillions of dollars. Yeah. Got it. Hey, well, you know, we are not far away from like, hey, let's do a pre-election stimulus so that we can buy votes. You know, like who knows when that's going to happen. Then it's like, okay, great. Well, interest rates just there's no way three percent. I don't know, man. But there's no way we have done this much. (laughs) 
rate hike after rate hike for them to say like, you know, middle of the year next year, everybody gets a pre stim or pre election. They might. Nothing stops them, right? I mean, they the Fed, the Federal Reserve can do nothing about it, and if they want to go print more money, and they would justify it with it's you know four years better this way or that way. Like even if you're Republican or even if you're Democrat, like stop, don't <laughs> stop, spending. don't print more money. Like it's yep. killing everything. It's stop overwatering plants. Yep. What are you doing? Yep. I mean, in the Inflation uh, Reduction Act, right? Right. The Inflation Reduction Act was the exact opposite of Inflation Reduction Act. Um, if we don't have infl- uh, if we don't have interest rates going up while that's out, inflation blows up. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Joker's out there making Jerome Powell look like the bad guy to raise rates to save us all, and that's just what it is. All right. Well, I've I've got another analogy for you. Let's take this back to 1950s Batman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How old is Warren Buffett? Uh, 94, 93, something like that. Probably. Dude's just crushing life. Um, he's 93. Yeah, that puts him 1930. Crazy. 1939 or 1938. Really? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So that puts him pretty old um, and he's still doing his job at Berkshire and they're crushing Charlie Munger still being completely active within the company. People that let us into this podcast or have any thoughts or questions about what career they should choose. Why are you not considering investing or starting your own holding or investment company? Here's the reason why. He's 93. That guy walks slower than a two-year-old. He is a great, phenomenally wise individual. But he is still running his company. A, he loves doing it. He's passionate about it. That's great. Look at Bezos. Look at, you know, Bob Iger left Disney, but he came back for a second. Howard Schultz left Starbucks, but he came back. They're all extremely intelligent CEOs. And they just had to stop doing what they were doing at these companies because it's a ton of work, but it's also a ton of headaches. (laughs) So if you're looking for a career that's neither, you can work until you're 93, you can get McDonald's every morning, and then you just show up in the office and you go, hey, how's my investment doing? (laughs) Like, come on. He's 93 years old. Mm-hmm. That's why you and I got into the business. It is. Because I'm going to work until 90. And when I hit, I don't know, age 50, I'm just not going to work. But I'll, I'll still be this, the CEO. I'll throw this one up on the TikTok because it's really great. They got asked about Elon Musk. And they're mm-hmm. basically like, yeah, he's a smart guy. Uh, but what he does is really hard. And you got to be really okay with failure all the time. Like, yeah. We prefer to do the easy thing. Uh, it's worked for us. And you're like, yeah. That's right. Just do the easy mm-hmm. thing. Life can be simple. It really can. It really can. So, you did you hear the news today world. about Elon? They said no, that, and then he made this announcement. I don't think there's any correlation, but maybe um, he is stepping aside as I think true CEO of Twitter and of SpaceX. Yeah, good for him. Which I think is 
super smart. He's going to yeah. be like chairman and I don't know, some board or whatever, super high controlling role, but it removes him as like the guy. Yep. Which is why totally fair. I have no idea why anybody would want to be him. Dude, sure, he's got a lot of money on paper, a big net worth, but like, yo, his life is just go all the time. He's going to mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you could be Warren Buffett and not worth as much as Elon, but you'll have enough money to drive your 1993 Pontiac to work every day and get McDonald's in the morning yeah. and still have $42 billion in the bank. Yep. Be damn close. So it's crazy. Be damn close. So he, and this is why I'm getting to this stage, 1950s Batman. Do you want to know who the 1950s Joker is? Who's that? Her name is Diane Feinstein. Never heard of her. Banker? Really? This is good. I'm going to eliminate you on the 1950s Joker. She's 89. 89 years old. Guess what job she does? That's also zero work. Hmm. She couldn't possibly be an investment manager. No, in a way she kind of is, but absolutely not. Real estate she agent? is actually, no, she's a senator. Oh, okay. 89-year-old senator. Big news, she came back into the Senate. She was having some health issues, probably from all the illegal illicit trade she was making. But I'm going to go through what she's done. She's receiving a ton of negative feedback, including AOC and others that are just asking for her to resign. Um, I don't have anything against elderly people, but if you're 89 years old and you're not Uh-oh, Warren Buffett, you should warning. probably pull it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're above 89, I'm going to go ahead and tell you to stop listening to our podcast right okay. now. Yeah. Don't hurt any feelings. Okay, this good. Is true. So tell me about her. What so, is it? All right, I'm going to just go through these trades. So reportedly, she attended COVID hearings by the CDC in early January of 2020. Afterwards, immediately afterwards, her husband sold between $1.5 and $6 million in a stock called Allogene Therapeutics. That The stock market collapsed. They saved a ton of money. In April of 2018, Mark Zuckerberg testified before the Senate's Judiciary Committee, which Feinstein sat on. But in January of 2018, three months before, her husband bought $250,000 of Facebook stock. Only in May 2018, after the hearing, did Feinstein disclose that purchase. Feinstein praised Meta proficiently throughout that hearing. In August 2020, Feinstein's husband purchased $50,000 in College Reaction, a private polling company. And then on January 6th, the day of the capital strike, Feinstein said the previously unreported transaction conducted by my spouse should have been disclosed. He didn't pay a penalty. He didn't serve anything. Nothing. (laughs) On December 4th, 2009, Feinstein and her husband bought $1 million in Amaris Biotechnologies. That was their only transaction the entire year. Weeks later, the company was awarded a $24 million governmental grant. Later, Feinstein introduced her own bill that benefited that same company. How is, how is she not in jail? In July 2011, Postal Service entered an exclusive contract with real estate firm C.B. Richard Ellis Group. Feinstein's husband was the chairman of the company's board of directors. 
Furthermore, he served on the Global Development Council on Obama's council. That's just stupid. Wow. Investment after investment with, yes, ties, you know, things going into it. And this is provided all the way uh, from Unusual Whales. Love them on Twitter. They popped off in 2020 when they started, like, reporting all these politicians and their investments and saying, hey, why did they sell everything (laughs) before the market tanked in March? And then why did they buy everything, you know, at the very bottom? How did they know? Oh, my goodness. It's so crazy that someone like that, like, she's the Joker. She is the Joker. Absolutely. How do you get away with that? She does it in the most unfair way possible. Yeah. Finally, people, I mean, they're making her a scapegoat. There's probably dozens, hundreds, I don't know, people inside of Congress that'll make trades off of insider trading knowledge. And it's probably extremely impossible to prove any of it, which is okay. I don't even think think it's very possible to prove it Um, in the same way that like equally as possible it is to prove that a hedge fund is trading on insider information. I mean, it's the same evidence. It's the same information that goes into it. Um, You know what I think the biggest problem is, is Congress is responsible for budgeting, voting on budgets, making sure where the government spends money. Congress, theoretically, signs the paychecks of the SEC. Uh Why would the SEC audit Congress people? Why would you bite the hand that feeds you? Exactly. Yeah. Guess who employs them and pays their bills? Yeah. That's the point. Oh, you came after me? Sorry, I might have to propose we cut funding for you guys and slap the divisions in half and yada yada. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're you're trying to do the right thing and put together a team that can go after us at the Gotham Police Department? Well, I'm the mayor and also the Joker. Yeah, we just decided to fire half the police department. Sorry. Good luck getting all your resources done. You know, everything you need to get done with that. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to plant some bombs in these buildings. So good luck trying to figure it out and catch me for insider trading. You truly are untouchable when you're that high in politics. You truly are. I know they say you aren't. And yeah. Like trying to prove. I think the whole thing with Donald Trump, like it feels like a lot of the stuff with Donald Trump and trying to get him is just like trying to show in some way that there is proof that the law can come after politicians. But look at how desperately they're having to go after him to make it happen. And like, and what is the consequence? Exactly. Like the dude is getting accused of sexual assault and rape, yeah. and he's still pulling higher. Than any other candidate, and evading taxes, and getting raided by the FBI in Mar-a-Lago or something. And I mean, people are going after Biden, and they're doing the same thing with, you know, whatever his son did with a laptop and broke a ton of laws and probably did a ton of bad things. And it just doesn't matter. You're above the law when you're a politician at that level, dude. You are like the last time it actually did anything was what Nixon and Watergate. I don't even know. And then anything. you just had to resign. It's not like well, he got impeached. Yeah, but nothing. So Trump got impeached twice. Oh, big whoop! Yeah, like, like it's. Well, like, I thought he. I thought he got impeached, but like it didn't. He wasn't oh, convicted. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe 
you, I thought you, Nixon got was impeached. convicted. You got impeached, but I don't think he got voted out. Like, you know, there's this whole process. It's like a slap on the wrist. There, what we're getting at is the reality of the situation is that politicians are above the law. That's it. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. They're in through. And they're going to listen to this and they're going to come out. And it's scary because they're the ones that can, like, do something. Like, they're, they're the only ones in power, right? Do you, do you know the story of Jack Ma and the Chinese government? Yeah. He's one of the wealthiest people on earth. Disappeared. His wealth, yeah, his wealth doesn't compare to the Chinese government's wealth, which is stupid. I know. Yeah. And he was missing or just off the grid for a while. Went to school for a bit. (laughs) I don't even know. Like, that's. True power are, yeah, governments. Like, it does not matter how much money you have. Yep. The government can take it away. Yep. They have an army. They own you. They also have millions, hundreds of millions of citizens. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of true wealth and power. Crazy. It is. It is. And it's just becoming more disingenuous. You know, I think it started off where people genuinely wanted to represent their country and like make decisions that helped their neighbors and their friends. And now it's just mostly people who were there to get wealthy, push their own stuff and yeah, be politicians. So there you go. Oh, good stuff. Wow. Continue to print money. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, donate to the Batman, just uh, invest in Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. And his uh, invest avoidance in of greed is uh, going to save the world. Is he here? Can we talk about something very interesting? A concept for investing uh, for five seconds that I that I heard that was very strange. Very no, yeah, strange. please. Um, the concept of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett wrote about this in the annual letter for this year about how over his record, he's had investments, right? He doesn't like to sell a lot. He's had a lot of investments that he's held for over 30 years. And some of the bad ones, they just kind of withered away and all the flowers, he just continued to let grow and he never cut anything. He just kind of let it, let it roll. Um, And over time, the flowers just outshone and the weeds didn't even matter anymore. They were just really tiny. I heard somebody giving a comparison about this this week where they were talking about the nifty 50 back in the seventies when the nifty 50 was a big deal. Um, and they were like, yeah, you know, the nifty 50, everybody bought into it. Didn't matter what the valuation was. You just bought it and you're, you're good. Um, and then it collapsed. And what they were talking about was they were like, Hey, if you added though, you know, when you're talking about stock picking and you're talking about not selling, just holding on for life, whatever, they're like, if you were lucky enough to add Walmart to your portfolio, it IPO'd in 1972 mm-hmm. at, at your nifty 50 portfolio. And you held on to all of those stocks until today, Walmart and the, all of the nifty 50. If you allowed for all of those to go to zero, meaning you never sold them, you just let the stock completely disappear, except for Walmart, you would be up 13% on average year over year today versus the other no. 8%. And that's the the power of like, if you can find one company that you hold on to for a long time, um, Mm. 
and just just let it go. And you know, it's not the key is not going to die. Right. But if you can have one that, you know, is not going to die, it has a little bit of growth in it. Um, and he gave several other examples like this. Um, and I don't know, man, in the back of my mind, I think, man, Berkshire Hathaway is one of those companies where like you could buy it today. And in 50 years, it's just going to keep up because it's not going to go away. And you never know. It could be like the Walmart. You could outperform. You could buy Berkshire and 50 other companies. Um, and you might outperform the general market 50 years from now just by sitting on your hands doing nothing. But yeah, it's your timeline, dude. But the problem is, yeah, what, you know, how much diversity do you need? Right. Yeah. You can't just put everything in the Walmart back in 1972 yeah. and just yeah, really you know, that's like 51 companies that were in there and it's like okay great you know even if you just did a straight allocation of 2000 you know if you had a hundred thousand dollars and you invested 2000 between all 50 companies that's where you get that return but yeah you're right i mean you gotta you gotta be diversified a little bit and you gotta have companies that you believe in um right jp morgan's another one of them jp morgan is going to exist 100 years from now literally yeah. the u.s government cannot let jp morgan fail so it's like, okay, mm. great. That's one you could put in. And 50 years from now, it may not have outperformed, but at least it exists. And so, yep. you know, there's something to be said about an investment style. That's just like, I'm going to find companies that will exist 50 years from today. I'm going to put money, equal amount of money into 30 of them. Okay. But then you're going to hate this. Like what was Walmart considered back then? Small cap? Uh, I don't think so, but I totally see where you're going with it. Um, yeah. Walmart, I know you're yeah. Mr. Small Cap. I know here's why you I don't, love... Here's why I don't think so, because there's arguments about whether or not Walmart was considered part of the Nifty 50, um, which means it, I, I know it wasn't small cap. Well, it's like asking the question, what is, um, who's somebody that's good? What is uh, Datadog considered right now? Are they small cap? Mm. I don't know. So, so what you can say is that it was Fair. certainly overvalued. Um, whether or not it was small cap in that day or not, I don't know, but there is arguments about whether or not Walmart was, was considered nifty 50 or not in the seventies. Um, that's like a debate that people have. So yeah. I understand the question of like, Oh, well, was it like a brand new company? Cause you know, that it was going to have a 50 year runway or whatever. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it definitely was overvalued at the time. Like it was one of those companies that people were like, screw the valuation, buy it. It was a Tesla. You know, it was the equivalent of a Tesla. So we're all doing these. Um, so, okay. Tough to say. Tesla. Well, my, push, my pushback is where well, you know where I'm going with it. If you're looking for like solid companies, yeah, you can find some with small cap companies. But if you want that return, if you go after large cap companies, you're going to get it. Like, I think I shared this story already of my grandfather giving us a thousand dollars each when in like 2006 2007 right before the market collapse and other stuff i don't know but we got to choose the stocks and he said pick companies that you like and i was i don't know 13 14 baby do what toys are us <laughs> No, um, I don't know how this happened, but uh, choose companies that you like. And he gave it to me, my brother, uh, my sister, my mom, and my dad. We each had a thousand dollars. It's kind of funny to like 
turn it into a game to see how it grew. But I chose Nike. My sister chose Starbucks. My dad chose some like green energy, small cap company. My mom did something similar. Even green energy in 2006, 2007 had some, oh, get in early. Well, they had uh, a high type of momentum. They were a bigger huh? back then than they are today. But, yeah. And then my brother chose this small technology company called Apple, who came out with an iPhone shortly yeah. thereafter. Hmm. So my brother won. My sister got second with Starbucks. I got third. And the, these were all still pretty close. I mean, Apple just killed. Um, and then my mom's account and my dad's account both were flat or slightly <laughs> lost money yep. since 2007. Yep. And that's insane. It is. That and is you made money. You grew with large cap companies. Solid companies weren't going anywhere. Showed continued growth. They're going to have their downs, their that ups and downs. Polio probably outperformed the S&P 500, right? If you could just pick those uh-huh. companies, it probably smoked the S&P 500 as if all, all of you guys together, you know? I'm going to pull that up, actually. We'll see right now. Starbucks but, the Apple. Yeah. Plus those two, plus those two do an equal allocation amongst all of them. Uh-huh. And, so I'm going to throw this out here for the crowd. Uh, this is what I love doing. Uh, what is it? 2007. Let's call it. Let's call it seven. I don't know. Um, I use the sweet thing called Portfolio Visualizer, which is the greatest thing on planet Earth. I think. Um, I don't know. I'm just gonna do a. Can't remember the ticker symbol for what they used. Even if they like brought it down, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, I think my dad, I'm going to just put oil and gas companies. Um, you like the oil and gas? Yeah, I know that's not fair, but we're just going to do it. And then I'm going to compare that to S&P 500. Let's see what happened there. But anyway, this portfolio visualizer, I just did what? Two seconds of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, average annual return for portfolio one. And I just did oil and gas companies, which probably didn't have the best year over year for but everything. You can't, do, you can't do a conglomerate of those investments together. I did. I did portfolio one being, you know, 20% of each of those Apple, Nike, yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. I did Conco, Phillips, and Exxon. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the green energy companies that they made, but. Year over year, 18.34% versus S&P 500, 8.91%. Yeah. I mean, that's silly. Well, here's the question, man. This is my biggest question for the investment thesis and the diversification thesis. Is like, why would you, why for the sake of diversity, would you purposely put money in companies that you know are bad? Right. What do you mean you know they're bad? What do you well, mean? Like, 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 so, uh, or are, can be clearly be defined as bad. So you can go through the S&P 500. Let's say you want to put money in SPY. 
you can go through the S&P 500 and find plenty of companies that are clearly going to have debt trouble moving forward, are clearly having shrinking margins, are clearly losing customers. Why would you go ahead and buy the SPY when that when those things openly exist? It's like you could just remove all the things that look bad and just keep what looks good and you will outperform almost certainly. Um, but people for the sake of diversification are like, no, you can't know. Go go do new things. And so it's like, okay, but if you because had a point, they, they could point to historical evidence of like, I want to do that and it could be bad now but it could be a big turnaround and it's not investing at that point. It's kind of just wishing gambling. Yeah. They think this could just be really good. And if it does a hundred X, that's fine. If not, it's one to 2% of my entire portfolio, the 1000 to $2,000 out of a hundred thousand. Yep. I don't care. Yep. But that's, that's where they think, I don't know. The investments might do it, but you're also, I mean, it's, it's scary to choose five investments and put $20,000 into each For sure. and that's your entire portfolio. And people sure. don't like that because well, you get what, big hit. Yep. It's just what, uh, I mean, there's so many people that have done it that have been super, super successful. It's crazy. Um, oh, I got a good example actually. Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew. No, that's not his name. Lee Kuan Yew's the, uh, what is this? It's uh, Himalayan Capital. Himalayan Capital. Um, So Charlie Munger has Mm -hmm. only given his person, Lee Lu, Lee Lu, has only given his person, uh, sorry, has only given his money to one other investment manager. Charlie Munger has never allocated investment managers except for one Lee Lu. Who is that one person? Lee Lu. And Lee Lu, where's the information on it? His portfolio. Lee Lu bought a minute. Yeah, while you're doing that, I'm going to keep describing my favorite things about portfolio visualizer. Well, we don't Uh, have... uh, You can do everything with this. Did Uh, you find it? Yes. So Lee Wu, I'm counting how many companies he has in here. It's not a lot. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six. Lee Wu has six companies and a 0% turnover ratio since the 1990s. He has never sold them. That's what it. companies? Micron, Bank of America, Berkshire, Google, and Apple. And he has completely smoked it. Absolutely smoked it. And that's he it. So Bank 1990s, of America. Really? In the 1990s, he was like, here you go. Here it is. And boom, never sold. 0% portfolio turnover. That's crazy. I can't believe he actually did that. Bank of America, just go pull their chart. I mean, if he pulled it in 1990, like, good for him. But, I mean, he's up 100% since 1992. On yeah. Bank of America. So. That's 30 years. That's 30 years. But think about, so this is what it is. It's like he he identified a few, a handful of really good companies he was confident in. Look at what Micron's done since the 1990s. Look at what. Yeah. Yeah. Apple. Google, Berkshire. Apple sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm just you know? kind of amazed that he's had zero turnover on that. It's wild. It's just, but that's his philosophy. He's just like, I'm going to buy 
and I'm never, ever, ever going to sell. And it's just like, cool. All right, fine. You know, five out of six. There you go. Good job, bud. There's something to it, man. There's something to it. Put that money into Google or something. Gotta be super confident. Um, But yeah, so uh, that's a superhero story, though. He is definitely something different. Even Charlie Munger, whenever he was managing money, didn't have that kind of turnover. Um, But yep. So shocking. There's something to be said about going through the S&P and just being like, okay, I'm going to pick out 50 companies here. Um, Yeah. And I'm just going to eliminate anybody that looks like they could have any kind of headwind or problem ever. And you just eliminate those. And then you're like, cool, I'm going to buy everybody else. See what happens. I wonder. That's a good test. I'm going to do that, you know, tonight. I think it'd be wise to just rank all 500 companies in the S&P 500. Based on. And rank them in terms of that's, that's part of the homework to figure it out in terms of operating margins, revenue, cash flow, a ton of fundamental metrics. Because off the top of my head, I bet you Microsoft might actually be better than Apple. I don't know. It'd be Microsoft, Microsoft Apple, Google. I up think there. Microsoft is probably a great investment today. This is not investment advice. I think Microsoft is probably a great investment today. It looks overvalued and it's a massive company. I think in 50 years, it's going to be so much more massive. It's going to be insane. Yep. Exactly. I agree. But you're just like, wow. So this is the way that I I structure pretty much all my clients' portfolios is a good amount into Vanguard ETFs for some high diversification and then choosing Tons of different individual companies. Yeah. Tons. I love Apple, Microsoft. I love Progressive. I think they're just a freaking cash cow. Like if, you know, Warren Buffett loves Geico. Well, what's what's the next Geico, right? Or the other Geico. Um, but I don't know. I really do think, and I'm so biased, that strategy is the best. You can have you know, a piece of it in Vanguard funds and get lots of diversification that way. But if you put a heavy majority into different stocks, that's great. Yep. I don't think Warren Buffett would disagree with you. His portfolio, he holds a spy. Oh, really? He does. Mm. He might hold more than the spy. I don't know if he has more ETFs than that. I think he just holds the spy, but you know, I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think you get a lot of disagreement there from from the big old man from Batman. <laughs> oh man. So who's more Batman, him or Jerome? Jerome. JP. Uh yeah. I don't know who to compare old Warren Buffett to. He's like just this folksy guy, you know? Just a folksy guy. Dude, he's a foxy guy. Not a kid. Um, let's go uh Let's hit on some stuff here for wrapping up the call um, and podcast. Yes, we love Jerome and Warren. We hate Jerome and we hate Warren sometimes. But at the end of the day, what you and I are starting to do content-wise is post actual videos and make the general public aware of who Warren is. 
super great idea you showed me. You get all the credit in the world. But do you see the TikTok that I made on my secret account that got thousands of views? What? No. No, the one yesterday. I I haven't seen. I, I, I guess I didn't pay attention. Oh, you need to go look at it. So if you just tag the words crypto and finance <laughs> in your videos, it'll pop off. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Oh, it got. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That's right. I did see it. I didn't realize it got that much attention. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's very but, cool. Yeah, it's these little snippets about old white guys talking about crypto or investing or the government or something. And that's driving people in. Yeah which is the whole point um anyway that channel is going to get to hundreds of thousands of followers one day and they're all going to want to you know trust us with investing their money please and today is step one to there <laughs> do what please do not make it a crypto influencer account no that's God, what i'm no. do, dude that's why they do it i think is because they get so many views when they do it i think that 70% of crypto accounts are disingenuine and they just love talking about crypto because they get so many views from it. My cousin. Yeah. Is oh no. Really? The crypto outlaw on Twitter, I think is what it used to be. I don't know what it is now, but yeah, uh, you get a lot of attention and anyone that kind of promotes like, Oh, this isn't a get rich quick. Um, but it's a, an account that's like, here's how you get money. Everybody wants to follow that. Yep. They're like, oh, you're buying HVAC companies and you turn them around and do this. Oh, you're buying storage properties, storage unit properties. And you do these three things and you start making money and it's quote unquote passive income. Anything about that gets so much viral attention. Sure. And it's, you know, smart. The one thing that I thought should, and we'll end with this one, that probably should have gotten more attention and it really did kind of hit a trend uh, were car washes. And I know there's like car wash guy, or maybe there's some other types of accounts like that on Twitter, TikTok, et cetera. But those things are cash cows and you'll see tons of content about that. But yeah, people just want to know how to make money. It's true. It's very true. Versus, versus you're somebody who's in your 50s and you just want good old steady eddy return yep by that stage yep that's true too two audiences but we'll end with that one thanks guys for listening y'all are the best Hasht we'll hashtag crypto hashtag bros it'll pop off <laughs> <laughs> see y'all next time